Hi, this is Selena from the South Brunswick Public Library doing our second podcast for the Alchemy of Genres. And this time the topic is romance as fantasy. Now, I know a few of you would be confused. Why would I classify romance as fantasy? I mean, romance is based in reality usually, and that makes no sense. However, A, I'm going to take romance in all of its forms. So there's going to be a couple of paranormal romances in here because that still counts as romance as far as I'm concerned. Um, You're just falling in love with an alien or a were-animal or a god or something. Um, But... More to the point, I think if you think about what a romantic story is, it's classically a fantasy creation. And that's not just me being jaded. Okay, maybe a bit jaded. But to be honest, the reality of romance as portrayed in books and in movies is that a happily ever after is what happens and... Uh, This is a trope from all movies and all fairy tales. It always ends just at the, and then they fell in love and they lived happily ever after, and it ends. And we all know that that's not actually how love works and that there aren't really any happy ever afters. Relationships take work. And you can't just fall in love and magically expect for everything to work out and all the problems to go away. That is the fantasy element of a romance fiction. Um, And the genre of romance thrives on people eating up the idea that the perfect soulmate is out there for everyone and that they will magically meet and magically instantly fall in love and all troubles will go away and everyone will live happily ever after in this world. And as we've just said, that's not how reality works. But the romance genre, movies and books, thrive on perpetuating this and those of us who read them myself included, although I will explain a little below in a couple seconds um, my caveat on this genre for myself and for myself as talking about it. So, um, but again, love isn't instantaneous. It doesn't always go as planned or as a magical happy ever after guarantee uh and it doesn't always work look at the divorce rates in a, in the world so um i think this is a perfect opportunity to embrace the idea of genre shifting and and people reading and and enjoying multiple genres um i am a sucker as many people are for a cheesy romantic movie um we we that is the american public that i can speak for but i'm sure all around the world having watched a ton of other romantic movies based in other countries mostly bollywood um a lot of people are a sucker for a romantic happy ever after fairy tale ending so um What is the fantasy of romance and love? Well, it means that that instant pull of attraction means it's mutual 
and that it's love, not lust, that in two hours, if it's a movie, or by the end of the book, all problems magically resolve. And that personality issues, socioeconomic troubles, cultural norms have no impact on the relationship because love conquers everything. And I think that's the part that makes everybody fall in love with the genre. We read it because it's comforting. Comforting. We know we're going to have a happy ending. We know there is no um, worry that this is going to be uncomfortable, that this is going to end badly. And when reality sucks sometimes, it's nice to read or watch something that you can lose yourself in and pretend that reality works that way. Um, and for some reason that a lot of us who, especially those who read romance fiction, we read the fairy tales and we want to believe in magic like forever love and soulmates. And we want to believe that that can fix everything that there exists somewhere in this cold, realistic place where people can be lonely and sad and um, not finding the things that they want to feel fulfilled, that there exists this perfect magical match, which just happens. You can't make it happen, but it just magically happens and it will last forever and ever and ever. And you don't have to work at it. It just happens. And that is why people read it. And that's why people watch it. And that's why it's one of the biggest things to be a part of. And honestly, it, it's just human relationships in general. That's why we have them, because we want to explore them. You have realistic fiction to explore the realities of relationships, and you have romantic fiction in all of its forms to enforce and cover the fantasy of it, of it being perfect and everlasting. So here's the caveat and the explanation. So obviously romance is a huge, huge genre. I cannot go over all of that in one podcast, and I'm not even qualified because it's not my main genre. However, it is a guilty pleasure. So I will go over what I have enjoyed, especially lately with the vi COVID virus shutdown quarantine. I've been reading a lot of cheesy romances lately, so this is a perfect opportunity. Um... I personally started reading romances around about age 13 or 14. My mom was getting a lot of Harlequin and silhouettes. And at the time, this was a long time ago, they had like, you could actually order in the mail the book of the month and they would send you four or five books from Silhouette or Harlequin. And they were just serial, quick 150 page romances, not heavy on plot but fun and interesting. And a lot of authors actually got their start that way. Um, however, for me, because I started reading it so young, same problem I have with fantasy, it, you find the patterns pretty quickly. And romance is a big trope with a lot of existing patterns. So personally, I like to explore romances that don't 
just follow the norm of bad boy meets good girl magically falls in love and everything ends happily ever after it's kind of boring I like to mix it up I like things that are different and quirky and explore non-traditional formats or just non-traditional main characters uh, that being said I have one only one holdover from my obsessive reading of fantasy romantic adventures in Harlequin romances when I was a teenager, and that is Jane Ann Krentz, a.k.a. Amanda Quick, a.k.a. Jane Castle, a.k.a. Stephanie James. I have been uh, collecting her books obsessively since I was 13, and I still read them, partly because it's comforting partly because she does try within the format of romance to vary it and she changes things up she has three or well stephanie james is old from when she was in silhouette and harlequin i don't think she was in harlequin she was in silhouette but those are from her early days um jane ann krentz is her contemporary romance name jane castle is her para normal romance kind of sci-fi romance thing and Amanda Quick is her historical slash regency slash Victorian whatever you want to call it romance so she has three different names used to be four and she explores different things under each name I still read all of them not all of them are my favorites but I will still read them obsessively over and over because it's her and that probably won't stop on heck it's been quite a while since I've been reading her um side fact uh many authors did get their start as a serial romance reader I actually have a romantic trilogy two of them where each one written by a different author, but they're sets of sisters or brothers or cousins or something to that effect. And Iris Johansson, Faye Kellerman, and Kay Hooper, all big names, wrote them together. Each of them took a different person and they wrote these cheesy little romances where each of them found their perfect love. And they were awesome and cheesy and the best. So I don't know that you can get them anymore. Haha, <laughs> I have them. And, uh, but they are great. And if you go back, you'll find a lot of people kind of got Sandra Brown. There's a bunch of really big name authors that got their start way back when as romantic fiction writers. They just um, got their name recognized and then they could explore other more interesting or more diverse audiences and plot lines. So... Also, another caveat from me, because I wanted to clarify how different I am off of the norm, I checked out the top 30 romantic books of all time, and I think I had only read a couple, and they were all from Jane Ann Krentz. So, um, although a couple of them were ones that I had mentioned in my last podcast, Nalini Singh got mentioned, and Sherilyn Kenyon got mentioned. So, again... Uh, both of those are paranormal romances, so I'm covered on that base. And then, of course, we've got Jane Ann Krentz or Amanda Quick or Jane Castle. But for the most part, I am not reading any of the things that are on the top 30. It's probably not going to change anytime soon. 
I'm not going to run out and start reading Nicholas Sparks anytime soon. I'm sorry. That's just reality. So let's move on to the actual books. Because I've been reading Jane Ann Krentz for so long, I can't just pick one. I can't pick a favorite. So what I did was I picked some of her more recent books, and I'll just go over each of them once. But feel free to explore. So as Jane Ann Krentz, one of her more recent books is called The Vanishing. Uh, decades ago, an explosion released gases causing latent psychic powers to wake up in this town. The townspeople hid this to get rid of the government who wanted to experiment on them. Uh, the main character, Catalina, runs an investigation firm that works out of this town. And she does it with her best friend, Olivia. Olivia disappears and Cat knows she will do anything to save her. Slater is a mystery man. And he works for the foundation, whatever that is. Um, they together find that someone is killing people who witnessed a murder 14 years ago. Catalina and Olivia are the two people left that witnessed this. Cat Olivia is missing and Catalina is next on the list. Can they save her friend and herself? And can this romance ever work? Spoiler, of course it can. Uh, Amanda Quick, Tightrope. Amelie, a former trapeze artist, moved to Burning Cove, which is a series of romantic fiction set in this place. She wants to reinvent herself. She spent her inheritance to buy a mansion and turn it into a bed and breakfast. But it's cursed, and she didn't know it. And now one of her first customers has died under mysterious circumstances, and now it threatens her livelihood because no one will stay in a haunted mansion. Matthias is after the thief of a ciphering machine. The dead guest, Mr. Pickwell, was selling it, and now he's dead. Together, they will find the culprit and save the B&B and find each other. Um, this one is the Burning Cove mysteries are set in the 20s. A lot of hers are more in Victorian times, which I adore. Um, but they're fun nonetheless. You can enjoy them and not go wrong. As Jane Castle, I, uh, her Harmony series, which is the name of the world that these are set on, uh, her world building for a fantasy thing is not strong. She's really much better at the romance than at world building in a foreign place. So if you're reading them and you're a hardcore sci-fi fantasy reader, you just have to give her a pass and and sort of go that's okay honey it's a good book it's just a little full of holes in some places but if you can do that you like and if anybody can do that i can do that um you can enjoy them so illusion town is hannah and elias who don't remember getting married but they decide to retrace their steps to figure out why they got married and how this happened. And it leads them into the alien catacombs and danger. Can they make this work? Again, spoiler, of course they can. So uh, one of the fun things that I've been finding, and it's not a heavily publicized book set of, but there are a lot of them. A lot of them are tending to be self-published or small publishing companies you can find a lot of them with kindle unlimited and that is uh polyamorous especially thruples uh male male female or female female male or any of those 
uh, workings in there. There's a big genre of those and you can find a lot of them. Uh, Roxanne Riley is one of them. Her first book in the Just Us series is called Just This Once. It takes place in a mythical Vegas where there are, weirdly, a huge number of polyamorous couples that all happen to know each other. She does that thing that I love, which is where each book takes place with one couple, but then in the next book you meet someone else who's the brother, cousin, friend of the one, and then by the 10th book they're all like big couples and you see, we're having a party and this person from that book and this person from that book, and oh look, they got married and they had kids, and it's kind of fun. Um, so Just This Once is a male-male-female polyamorous uh, thruple, which is three people, and uh, it stars Adam and Lacey, who were high school sweethearts, but their long-distance romance couldn't work, and they always wished that they could have made a way to figure it out. Lacey follows a whim and goes to excuse me, Ecstasia? Ecstasia? Not sure how to pronounce it. Which is a nightclub that is a little crazed, and lots of crazy things happen, but it's Vegas, so no one talks about it. Adam is with Dante, and they've been a couple for a while. Of course, they're both billionaires, because why not? If you're going to make a fantasy, you have to have a billionaire in there. Um, they are at Ecstasia, Ecstasia, looking for a girl, for a threesome, because they've always thought about it. And then Lacey walks in, and Adam and Lacey realizes this is just their chance to finally be together and they both fall in love. Well, Adam was already in love with Dante, but now Lacey falls in love with both of them and of course they will live happily ever after forever and ever because romance. One of my newest finds is a author by the name of Rebecca Weatherspoon. I found her name in a list of recommended romance writer writers and I thought I would explore it and I've been obsessed. She is really fun. She writes um, from a perspective on diversity. She is African-American and she makes sure that there are, if not African-Americans, in every book that... They there are people of diverse ethnicities in every book. She also has a weird obsession with bearded redheads, but that's okay. It's fun. Um, so one of the things that I enjoy is that she explores not only a range of diversity in the couples with their ethnicity and cultural identities, but she explores different types of sexuality so there's uh lesbian romance there's gay romance she doesn't do a lot of gay she has done a lot of um, lesbian and she does also bdsm now for those of you who are not familiar with this it's sort of the idea of bondage and submission and dominant versus uh not dominant submissive type there's a lot of people whose only experience with this is that terrible, terrible book, Fifty Shades of Grey. Trust me, that is not what BDSM is. And what I really like about her books is that she explores the different parts of the culture 
with an explanation of what it's about and how it works and a lot, a lot of talk of saying, if this is uncomfortable, we'll stop. Consent is sexy. And I like when authors make sure that they mention consent is important and that the lead character stops either one when someone says, I'm not comfortable with this. You know, it's a trope from the olden days that you could just forcefully kiss someone and they would magically reciprocate because they didn't mean it when they said no. And it's good that in these modern days that there are more and more authors going for the oh no, no means no. And that's good. Um, so she has several different uh, sets of of things. She just started her Cowboys in California, which I haven't read yet, but I just got. And one of hers is called Beards and Bondage. She's got her Fit trilogy, which is not really a trilogy because she just wrote a short story novella that's in there as well. And so we'll talk about all of these just a bit. But to give you some background on Rebecca, I wanted to share from who she is and why I'm so glad I got introduced to her. So her BDSM romance At Her Feet won the Golden Crown Literary Award for Erotic Lesbian Fiction. Her novella Fit, number one in the Fit trilogy, won the Romantic Times Book Reviews Reviewer Choice Award for Best Erotica Novel. Sated, number three in the Fit Trilogy, was nominated for the Romantic Times Book Reviews Reviewer's Choice Award for Best Digital Erotic Romance. And most recently, Soul to Keep, number three, won the 2017 Lambda Literary Award for Best LGBTQ Erotica. Her romantic comedy, Rafe, a buff male nanny, received praise from both Entertainment Weekly and the New York Times. So she's gotten a lot of press and it's been really good to see her doing well. And I'm really, really happy someone introduced me to her. So the Fit Trilogy, uh, my favorite of the bunch was the third one, which is... Oop, I lost the title. And that was, the third one was Sated. And it stars Kira, who is a trainer. She's physically fit, runs a training class, kickboxing. And Daniel Song, who is a pyrotechnics expert, who lost a hand in an accident. I mention this because, not because it's made a big deal out of, but because it's just a part of who he is. And I love that a differently abled person is included in there as well as someone of Asian persuasion that's turned into someone sexy because yes. So Daniel Song is a long time a member of a BDSM um, group. He's actually a member of the family. What that means is explored in the book. Kira is more quote-unquote vanilla and she doesn't know anything about the culture but is having fun exploring the idea because why not and Daniel is awesome. So the conflict in this it, there's a couple of different pieces it's Kira is a nerdy girl into sci-fi and very awkward 
I definitely relate. And also the fact that Daniel is afraid to share his alternative lifestyle in its full capacity with her. He's not sure he'll accept, she'll accept him for all of his parts. So while he's exploring things with her, he's not sharing with her all of the parts of him. And so there's your central conflicts of she needs to get comfortable with someone being okay with her being awkward and he needs to be honest and explain where he's coming from and it's a really short book but uh, all of them in the fit trilogy are but they're really fun really uh hot they are listed as erotica as well as romance so you definitely if you're not into non-traditional romance or if you're not into explicit sex scenes don't touch Rebecca but she's really good at it the beards in bondage the first the the title that I really 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 liked was sanctuary which features Liz she's an African-American Manhattan attorney um, and she used to be before she was an attorney a dominatrix She's running from a client who's trying to kill her. One of her co-workers sends her to upstate New York to his brother Silas, who has a farm. And he's hot, and he's giant red-headed bearded dude. And he also is on the autistic spectrum. And again, differently abled options. And they fall in love and explore different parts of themselves as well as trying to solve the mystery of who is trying to kill her although she kind of knows she's also trying to get it resolved so that they will stop trying to kill her and the one that won a lot of awards is Rafe buff male nanny it does have its humorous moments and it is amazing and you can get it from Hoopla in the audio version another caveat she does use some very blunt and frank language. So again, if language is an issue, stay away from Rebecca. But if you don't mind, she is fun. So Rafe is a lifetime nanny. He is nannied for several families. He's just really good with kids and he likes them. But he's a giant, tattooed, bearded, redheaded guy. And Sloane is an African-American heart surgeon who has twins from a recent divorce that was really devastating to her. And when her regular nanny just disappears into the wild blue yonder, leaving her two six-year-olds alone, she is desperate to find some help. Rafe is recommended from a friend of a friend, and the two of them instantly hit it off. One of the things I really enjoy is that they don't shy away from admitting pretty quickly that they both find each other attractive. I like that they're exploring how to be romantic with children in the house. And I love that he is not ashamed that he is a stay-at-home, taking-care-of-the-kids kind of guy. And she's got all the money because she's doing all this important work as a doctor. I think it's a great way to explore the different 
options and it's a great way to not be ashamed of not being the typical I've got the guy and I've got the money and I can just retire and and live off of my man but it's the other way where maybe you know if things work out maybe she won't keep him as a nanny but she can marry him and keep him forever as a house husband which isn't really destroying anything because hello it's a romance book but I really like that it's all of the options are explored and she is both of the characters are fully fleshed out and you really get a sense of things and there is a lot of humor in there as well the sequel to this which is standalone all of these are sort of standalones is Zenny which is uh, her best friend who goes away. Uh, Rafe takes place in LA, California. Zenny is from California, but her aunt lives in upstate New York and she dies and she goes there to take care of the estate. And is, as part of her way to it, her aunt said in the will, in order for her to collect her inheritance, she has to marry this guy, Mason, who's a giant red-headed bearded guy I told you there was a standing obsession with it um, so she decides to go ahead with it why not it, it'll get her some money and he gets to pay off his student loans and you get to meet some of the people that were in some of her other books uh, specifically the um, attorney and the farmer from the last book I just mentioned so it's fun. It explores some just different options and different ways uh, of being romantic. And he's Scottish, so it's just fun. And the reader of the story did a great job with the Scottish accent because I listened to the audiobook. And again, also available on Hoopla, which is fun. So... Moving on from Weatherspoon, even though I really like her. Kiss Quotient is another one that I was recommended and I thought I would explore because it's, again, exploring different parts of romance. It's Helen Huang. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And if I'm not, my apologies. The Kiss Quotient stars Stella Lane, who has Asperger's. And she does algorithms to predict purchases. She makes a good amount of money that way. She, um, There's a name for the profession, but I can't pronounce it. So the she is told offhandedly that maybe she could get a man if she were better in bed and she should just practice because she's so terrible at it. And she takes this to heart because of her condition where she's very logical and very straightforward about it. So she makes a list of things she wants to learn and she decides to hire an escort because if you're trying to learn something, you go find an expert. So she hires Michael Fan and he is Vietnamese and Swedish and hot and he looks kind of like one of her favorite K-pop idols. So she decides to hire him to explore sex and what it means and how to be a sexual being and to get better at it. And she has literally a list to check off of things to learn. And the romance between the two of them is amazing and sweet 
And I love the reverse pretty woman idea where he is the prostitute and she is the professional. And I'm evidently not the only one because I, when I went looking this up, the film rights have been sold to Lionsgate. Fingers crossed they make the movie and it turns out well. And also that this romance story won Goodreads 20, 2018 Choice Awards as well as the Amazon Best Romance of 2018 Award. So, and those are all awards given by the readers and the public. So that's an awesome thing. It's a really fun romance. It's sweet and very logical and it it really, I don't know, it just resonated. It was a fun book to read. I talked about G.L. Carragher. I mispronounced the name last time. This time I'm doing it correctly. I talked about the Sumage book and the Sumage series. So this time I'm going to just pop in with the Omega Objection and talk about the two in this story. Tank is a bouncer. He is a werewolf. He is one of the dominant types in the werewolf pack in that if something needs doing, he can help out because he's a giant dude and he can fight if he has to. But he doesn't really like fighting. He's not a fighter. He just looks like one. And his secret is that he's actually a submissive looking for someone to dominate him, even though he's so ginormous, everyone assumes that he is the dominant guy. Isaac is a bartender, but he has no scent, which is intriguing to a werewolf, and he doesn't understand why he has no scent. But he's sexy, and he's very dominant, but he's not big. He's a willowy dude who's tall, but kind of lanky, and the two of them hit it off. This book is very simplistic a little bit in its BDSM exploration, but it's still hot. Two male characters falling in love. A lot of humor because Carragher does a lot of humor. And I'm hoping she writes some more in this series. I have enjoyed it so far. Sherilyn Kenyon has um, so many books in her Dark Hunter series. I thought I'd just jump to one of my favorites, which is Asheron, which is number 12 in the Dark Hunter series. And the storyline between this one is, it's a big fat book too, so give yourself some time to read it. 11,000 years ago, a god was born. Cursed into the body of a human, Asheron endured a lifetime of hatred. His human death unleashed an unspeakable horror that almost destroyed the earth. Atlantis, anyone? Spoilers. Anyway, he is brought back to life against his will. He became the sole defender of mankind. Only it's never that simple. For centuries, he has fought for our survival and hidden a past he never once revealed. Now his survival, and ours, hinges on the very woman who threatens him. Old enemies are reawakening and uniting to kill them both. This is a really, really intense book. Lots of lots. It, I think it's like a thousand pages long. Lots of pages. But it's also, if you're diving into the Dark Hunters, Asheron is a central side character that has been integral into many, many of the Dark Hunter books. And this really dives deep into his history. It's 11,000 years. Therefore, that's why it's such a big book. 
gets into the bad things in his life, the good things he's hoping for, why he is who he is, and all of that. And Sherilyn Kenyon uses a really balanced approach to getting all of the pieces together for this story. So even if you haven't read any of the other books, you can still enjoy this one. And it's, I just, I like it because again, it's like, it's different. It doesn't necessarily follow the formula. Um, Shannon, Shannon, I'm not sure how to pronounce her name. I'm sorry in advance. McGuire, she writes a lot of urban fantasy, which last time I told you I read a lot of. This is for her encrypted series, which is a lot of romance in there, but it's a lot of fantasy as well, so you can kind of get both of those itches scratched at once. The first book in the Encrypted series for her is called Discount Armageddon, and you've got Verity Price. She's a cryptozoologist, meaning anything that's not necessarily human, they're hiding in plain sight, and her family has always tried to help them and make sure that they have what they need and go after those who are dangerous to humans. But she's also a ballroom dancer. And um, and she likes to do parkour off of rooftops, which is fun. Dominic is a member of the Covenant of St. George, whose main mission is to destroy all unnatural beings, like Verity, like all of the people she's protecting, etc. Of course... The two of them meet, instant sparks, and someone is making cryptids disappear in New York. Can they make this work? Can they stop it? Spoilers, of course, of course. And one of the things I like about the Encrypted series is that she does a couple from Verity Price and then she gets into each of the different family members. So you can literally explore different members of the family, different powers, different abilities, and um, different ways of making things happen. Angela Knight is another one that I mentioned last time. I'm not going to go over the same book, so I'm going to go over the next one in the Mage Knight series, which is called Master of the Moon, which is fun. And he is a lord of the elves, I guess. It, it doesn't really explain, but it, he's sort of elvish, but from that other world. But he is an elven lord, and he's actually a king. His brother is a co-king. His father, when they died, split the kingdom down the middle and said that neither of them can kill the other one, or both kingdoms will be destroyed. And so, of course, he's following the rules, and his brother is not. He's always sending assassins to kill him. And she is Diana... And she is a werewolf, but she's also a dire wolf, which means she has super, super powers and she's immune to magic. And the two of them meet because she's a city manager, but also helping out with the police department and doing things when she can. And 
his brother is on the loose and the two of them team up and sparks fly and they try to save the universe and let each other fall in love with each other and and it's hot and it's fun and and why not let's explore hot and fun so that is it for today we've talked about a lot of different things we've explored some different options Rebecca Witherspoon, Weatherspoon, sorry, has a lot of really cool things. Amanda Quick, Jane Ann Krentz, Jane Castle has a lot of really cool things. Uh, I'm sure Helen Huang has some other books. I haven't found them. I haven't read them yet. I haven't really looked, but I intend to. So if you're in the mood for a little escapism and you really want to just get away from reality but not go too far, then stick with regular romance. There are so many authors out there. There are so many lists. You can definitely find them. I did not, as I said, go down into this so deep, but feel free to fall down the well all the way. There is no bad answer to, and there's nothing wrong with whatever you fall in love with. So your guilty pleasures don't have to be that guilty. Just enjoy them. And roll with it and never apologize for your obsessions and book addiction is the one addiction that is still legal and acceptable let's roll with it so thank you for listening i will have the blog that accompanies this ready and out by friday if not before and i hope you've enjoyed listening thank you signing off for now bye